Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Welcome everybody to a very noisy Interlagos paddock after an action-packed weekend of racing, which of course culminated in George Russell winning his first ever Grand Prix. George Russell, you are a Formula One race winner. One, two, unbelievable! Hi, George Russell, a Grand Prix winner. This is just the beginning, guys. This is just the beginning. Woo! George, huge congratulations. Uh, you've no doubt dreamt of this moment. Tell us about the reality. Yeah, just um, so many emotions, I think dreamt of this moment for sure many many times um and you never really know how it was is going to to pan out and i think um the race was well managed was everything was under control i knew how quick lewis was and um when that safety car came out i thought god this is gonna be gonna be very very tricky now but um put together a really strong string of laps um very little sort of mistakes and you know the pressure Lewis was putting me into was immense but just so proud of the whole team this progress we've made since the start of the year is just unbelievable and what a boost it's going to give us going into next season coming into this race were you calm were you nervous did this one somehow feel different I was pretty relaxed to be honest I if you have the mentality that if you just do everything right you know make a clean start do your thing get into the groove then you can win this race and um I knew having you know, Lewis, Lewis along, alongside me, Max in my mirrors, it was not going to be a straightforward race, but we believed and we were having a lot of conversations this morning as a team, uh, strategically, how we're going to try and uh, tackle getting this victory for the team and to come away with a 1-2 is just unreal. You nailed the big moments, both the start and the restarts. Just how tricky was it to get them right? Yeah, definitely, definitely tricky for sure. Um, but you just have to go through through the process and um, treat it as if it's any other. And um, there was a sort of a moment in the race where I was looking a lot in my mirrors, you know, seeing Lewis there. But I sort of realised I just need to look forward now. And the only way I'm going to win this race is by looking ahead, driving as fast as I can, making no mistakes. You know, my engineer was on the radio giving me the gaps probably four times a lap. And it was always between 1.1 and 1.3, 1.1, 1.4, 1.1. I was like, you know, it's just, I just wanted that little extra half a second buffer. But it was only when I, I came into sector three on the last lap that I knew we'd, uh, we'd got it. How are you going to celebrate this one? <laughs> uh, I was talking to Carlos just now. We're, we're on the same flight uh, tonight going direct to uh, Abu Dhabi. So it's a 15-hour flight. So... Uh, yeah, I think we've got... <laughs> I said drinks are on me. <laughs> I think they're free on the plane, aren't they? That's why they're on me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Let's review all the action now on F1 Nation. My name's Tom Clarkson and I'm joined, of course, by Damon Hill. And this week we have F1's Lawrence Barreto joining us as well. Lots of guests coming your way, and in no particular order, we spoke to Mercedes' Andrew Shovlin, Alpine's Otmar Safnauer, AlphaTauri's Pierre Gasly, Williams's Alex Albon, and Haas's Ayo Komatsu. What a race. What a weekend. Lawrence, we're going to start with you. I mean, we're outside Mercedes. I can't even take it all in myself. I'm not sure if you can hear it, Tom, but just in the background there, there's so much cheering because that's Mercedes team photo. They've been cheering for about 10 minutes because this is a huge result for these guys and girls. They've been wanting this all season and Tom, frankly, it's been coming, hasn't it? It's been coming, particularly these last eight races, but I didn't actually think they were going to get a 1-2 here. I still thought coming into the weekend that the straight line speed of the Red Bull would give it to Red Bull, but Andrew Shovlin, who I was going to say, you know, engineering boss here at Mercedes, but actually I'm going to call you team boss this weekend because there's no Toto Wolff and I think the food chain basically stops with you. Just what a weekend, Andrew. I think, well, first of all, Toto's the team boss. <laughs> um, where, you know, the season's getting so busy, we can't do all the races. I think you'll see lots more of us rotating a bit just because it, it's so crazy and Toto's been... Uh, chatting to us throughout the weekend he's he's been been in all the meetings and honestly after the year we've had it's a real shame he's not here because he would have been bouncing around uh, enjoying this moment and we you know we miss him can we celebrate king george first of all what sort of job has he done this weekend he's i mean to be honest we you know i i was there when we ran george in an f1 car for the first time and you thought Okay, he's a guy who's going to win races. He, you know, he just the way he drove it, the way he knew what to do with the tyres, the way he could adapt his style. No surprise. Seeing him out front today, completely comfortable, good on the restarts. It's, it, it, you know, it's it's a confirmation, honestly, of what we knew, and it uh, and it's nice to get that out of the way this year, because next year we're hoping that we don't have to go 20 plus races into a season before the first win. We want to be there from the word go. Shove, it was lovely to see his emotions when he got out of the car, the tears, the way he embraced you guys. It really shows how much it means to him and the journey he's been on, I guess, to get to this point. Yeah, you know, we were, he was so close in Bahrain um, when he had to um, drive as a reserve driver for, for Lewis. Um, that was really tough and, you know, he, he handled it well. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe it even toughed him up. Uh, he obviously came here thinking, brilliant, Mercedes will be challenging for wins and what we actually had was a massive job list ahead of us of problems to fix things we needed to learn and understand and he's, he's played a, a role in that but it you know it's, it's been great to see him achieve that I think to be honest the thing I've been really impressed with was how well the two of them have worked together through the year in particular the last few races to try and help us get to the front they both won the team to win a race they know that it's only going to be one of them who achieved it but even this morning they were talking on the strategy of saying, look, just, you know, do different things with us if you need to. We accept that one of us might lose out, but we, ju we just want to get the win for the team. So, it, I, you know, the, the pair of them are a massive asset and huge amount of hard work gone in there to solving this problem in back in Brackley. We've, we've had brilliant support from Brixworth on, on the power unit side, and I just hope everyone uh, enjoys, enjoys the evening. All of your rivals have said this weekend that you've had the fastest car here at Interlagos. First, would you agree with them? And what have you done to the car 
to make it so good this weekend because I think there's been no upgrades. Tell me if I'm wrong. No, no, no literally the same car that we've had in Austin that we had in Mexico. Um, sprint race, you've got one hour to get it dialed in. I think the um, you know the engineers and the and the drivers have hit the bullseye there because um, it's a real challenge, and we we've managed to get it working really really well. So you know, con- congrats to all of them. But yeah, it's you know it's the same car. Maybe the, maybe the track suits us a bit. Maybe our competitors were struggling with a few few other problems. But we had good pace in Mexico on in the race. And the sprint rate, you know, if you've got a good race pace, sprint race weekends are brilliant because uh, it doesn't matter if you're a bit off in, in qualifying, you can uh, get yourself back up there. You know that radio call that George made just as we were about to go racing for that last 10 laps where he said, are we free to race? What's going on? What had been agreed before the race about that? And uh, were you a bit nervous? Well, we've got, to, you know, we've got two drivers who... They, all they want to do is, is race, ultimately. And, you know, George was asking for clarification of, of, the, of that. But the reality is the worst thing, you know, the thing that the two of them would absolutely hate is if we said, if we want to back, back it off, bring the car home, don't attack each other. There's, there's a great deal of respect for them, um, you know, between the two of them. We'd seen some incidents in other teams across the course of the, uh, the weekend, particularly in the sprint race. And our two looked at it and just said we wouldn't do that to each other. So... It's nice when you when you're you know in a position as a team when you can just let them go for it and have some fun and you know we're looking forward to a lot more races where we'll let the two of them uh, you know race each other and try and get the win. Was there a moment also with Lewis and he was coming back right through the field and he hasn't obviously got that win that he's got every single year? Did you kind of feel for him a little bit on that side of things? I think I mean to be honest, I I'm really impressed with Lewis. The you know the we want drivers who are going to be upset when they, when they don't win the race if the teammate wins and they're second you don't want a driver who just takes that on board and doesn't feel a, a sort of pang of um, disappointment that, that they could have done more uh, obviously Lewis we, he was uh, hit by Max early on that put him a long way back um, brilliant recovery drive you know Lewis has been out there with George and the crowd he really feels for the team and the amount of work the team's put in this year I don't think we could have asked for anything more from him um, him today. He's, you know, he's, he's done a great job and, and to get both of them on the taller steps on the podium uh, has been fantastic. So, huge day. Huge day for the team. Many congratulations from all of us and uh, I suppose you're going to win Abu Dhabi now. Um, well, we, yeah, we, now, now that we've uh, re- reminded ourselves how we win a race, yeah, we'll, go, we'll give that one a go. But, you know, no doubt that'll be tough. Uh, Ferrari and Red Bull are good competition, but we'll just, we'll just go for it. We can, we can still get P2 in the championship. We'll do what we can, but we'll, we'll go there and we'll have some fun. Thanks for your time. Go and enjoy the celebration, Shuff. Thank you so much. The champ is with us now. I'm here. I, I, I didn't join in that conversation because we've already done, Andrew, on our show as, with Sky, but uh, it was interesting hearing him. He's so patient, isn't he? He's so calm, and he's... They work so hard and they keep a cool head, don't they, Mercedes? And they've delivered well a performance. I'm just hoping, uh, I don't want to pour cold water on it, but it was possibly a bit of a dropout day for um, for Red Bull, wasn't it? Or weekend, rather, because Ferrari also reasonably in shape. So I'm not, I'm not suggesting that Merck don't have the pace, but um, it was a great drive from George as well, all weekend, really calm. What a incredibly competent and impressive young man he is. What would you have been thinking? Ten laps to go. There's a restart at Interlagos. You've got Lewis Hamilton. 
on your gearbox. You've got the race all under control, haven't you? And you've got a virtual safety car, that's okay, nice, keep the margin. And then they go and give you a whole safety car, a proper <laughs> safety car, and he's breathing all over you. And he, and he, to his credit, of course, he, he timed it to perfection and he did the warm-up uh, routine well and he got on the gas in the right way and actually Sergio made a mistake because he, he, he lost a lot of ground to, to Lewis there and Lewis wasn't able to stick with, with George so it, under those pressure conditions and I was thinking two laps to go and there's only a tiny fraction in it and all Lewis needed was another three tenths and he'd be in the DRS zone and he couldn't quite get in there and George has to be credited with keeping cool under immense pressure Seven times world champion behind you, breathing down your neck. And you know it's his team, but George, he delivered and he, he knew he, he had to do what was right for him. And he, he did a beautiful job. Lawrence, were you surprised by the pace of Mercedes this weekend? No, I think it's been coming, to be honest. I think Austin, Mexico, I think the pace has been there and strategy calls haven't really gone their way and things haven't worked out. So I wasn't surprised. I think this would have been a circuit they would have looked at and thought they would have had a chance. I think I was surprised at the gap between them and Red Bull. And like Damon was saying earlier, Red Bull did kind of drop the ball this weekend. They really struggled, didn't understand the tyres at all. And it's very rare that we've seen that from them this year. Um, and we kind of needed that earlier in the championship, didn't we, to try and make it a little bit more exciting. Towards the end of the race, it went from stinking hot at the start to cooling quite, off quite a lot. And, and they, they just, maybe they're too kind on their tyres, you know, maybe they've actually got the setup so good that they can eke out lots of, lots of time with their tyres. But when the track cools off, they're not able to get them into the operating zone. I don't know. I'm not an engineer. Can we wind the clock back to Hungary 1993? You actually dominated that race. It wasn't nearly as close as this, but it was your first win. How uh, do you remember that? Well, the guy that was second was, but uh, well, I, I'd lapped him. I, was like, I, think, I can't remember. There was there was no one else on the same lap. I think I don't know. It so it wasn't a pressure race for you, but it it was your first win. Just yeah. what did that do for you? And can you see it working in the same way for George? Well, very immediate. The immediate effect was I got a lift back in Frank's jet. Uh, rather than having to go to the airport and fly commercial. You can come on my plane now. <laughs> and a little short story was, uh, there was this Mr. Magoo helicopter they had in Hungary at that time. It was, I think it was an ex-Russian thing. Uh, it, and it, we all got a lift in that helicopter to the airport. So there's Adrian, Frank, Patrick, myself, all the key personnel of the team in this rickety old helicopter that you could see had been painted by, by hand, by brush, you know, on the inside. And when we landed, Patrick Head said, um, Frank, I don't think we should probably all travel together in the same helicopter next time. Uh, it was a bit late to tell us that when we landed. But anyway, we all got home safely. But from a confidence point of view, were you a very different driver at the next race? Oh, sure. I mean, you know, you, there's these thresholds, aren't there? You know, there's guys who've, who have tried their best, you know, they, they tried everything and they haven't managed to deliver or get lucky enough to win a race. But and then there's us guys who managed to go over that line. And the next line, of course, is multiple Grand Prix and a world championship, you know, and that's uh, the world championship thing is, is the big one. I mean, you can withstand the pressure for a weekend uh, as George has done. But what these guys do, you know, year on, year out, Michael Schumacher's, they withstand the pressure year in, year out and deliver championships under that immense stress. And you have to learn to manage your life because you can't take, I mean, Alan Prost used to, I think, was very anxious. And he was told by Jack Lafitte once, um, you know, we need to go fishing, man. You know, you need, to, you need to chill out somewhere. You can't just keep this pressure up all the time. You spoke to George Lawrence after that race. Uh, how was he? How, emotion how emotional? I mean, I think we saw tears on the podium. 
But what was he like when he'd had a bit of distance? He still had tears in his eyes. I mean, I've spoken to him after he scored points in for Williams. I've seen him emotional before and these kind of results really mean a lot to him you can see how much it affects him he's been talking a lot about the support that his family gave him how much his friends have given him how much mercedes have given him over the years and i think all of those emotions are still kind of sitting very raw in in his mindset as he crossed the line and it means so much to him i think there's been that that time in bahrain when he had that win, when he stood in at Mercedes and it didn't happen. And I think that hurt. And I think it took him a long time to get over it. So for today, for that to come through and for him to get that win finally was huge. Uh, you've just, you know, that's absolutely right. And it, it would have been an absolute fairy tale story if he'd won his first Grand Prix in the, in the top line opportunity like that. But in some ways, I believe in fate. You know, I believe that it's better that it didn't because he... It Why? Hang on, hang on. Why? I mean, well, because, Meanie. Because I don't... It's a hard road. And if it comes too easily, I don't think you appreciate it as much. And I think that it, it made him realise how much he really wanted it, uh, even more than he had before, to come that close and, and lose out in the way he did. And he's kept that motivation from that experience. And there was no way he was going to let that win slip through his fingers today. I mean, he got one in the bag the day before in the, in the sprint. He did magnificently there as well. So, Lawrence, that's a good point. How much did winning the sprint help him in that Grand Prix when he had Lewis Hamilton on his gearbox? I think loads. I mean, he was overtaking a Red Bull. Like, that doesn't happen very often this year for, for anyone, really. And for George to do that, I think was huge. But I think we shouldn't forget that, you know, George has had the better of the year of the two Mercedes drivers all year, isn't he? He's been the stronger of the two. So even when he had Lewis, like breathing down his neck at the end. I'm sure he still had the confidence to think that he could hold him off. Loss, that's a really good point because he's actually won that teammate battle. I think for Lewis to beat George in the championship now, he has to win with fastest lap in Abu Dhabi and George not score any points. So George has pretty much done that intra-team battle. But isn't that significant? He's come into a new team that has been Lewis's for so long now and he's come out and he's going to beat him in the head-to-head. Yeah, uh, look, there's two ways to look at this sport. You can look at what should have happened or what could have happened or you can look at the results and actually the way it's measured and the way it's always scored historically is the numbers. <laughs> and the numbers are what stick and people can debate it uh, as long as they like, you know. Uh, and so it would be a tremendous achievement and it will go down in history as coming into... Uh, a world seven-time world champions team and beating him in the long run over the season. Now, you might say, well, maybe because they had massive problems with the car and Lewis wasn't perhaps quite so motivated or on it or was trying different things and he, he, he didn't get the opportunities that, that George had. You might say that. And there's some truth to that as well, isn't there, Lawrence? You know, they, there certainly was Lewis was kind of going, OK, well, we'll try this. I'll take it on the chin if we don't get the result. And meanwhile, George was settling in and being calmed down by James Vowles and, and being, you know, given the encouragement he needed as a new boy, and he was getting the points. I mean, I, I scored in my first year with, with Ayrton Senna, I was ahead of him in the championship. You know, at this time when we came to Brazil, we went to him, I was ahead of him in the championship because he dropped the ball trying to race against Michael Schumacher, and I just lucked in, to be honest. But anyway, there, that's a fact <laughs> of life. Uh, anyway. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 
With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. We've just been ushered into the Alpine hospitality area. It's been a bit of a feisty weekend for Alpine, <laughs> hasn't it? Should we, should we go and have a word with their team principal, Otmar Safnauer? Esteban Ocon wants to dive down the inside here. Fernando Alonso is waiting. Esteban Ocon on the inside of his teammate. Forces Fernando Alonso wide. They make contact. The two Alpines but manage to keep going. Esteban, I don't want you fighting with Fernando. Is that understood? I need to pass Vettel now. I won't fight that- Fernando. That's fine. You can pass metal. I do not want you fighting Fernando, as long as that's clear. We've walked into the hospitality and Otmar is currently just preparing his quote for the team press release. It was quite a tasty quote after the sprint race yesterday, Otmar. Uh, (laughs) I'm guessing it's better today. It, it, It is better and it's better for everybody and there's smiles all around. So what that should teach us and, uh, and those who, uh, who, who didn't uh, play the team game yesterday, is that it's also better for them. Um, you know, they're part of the team and we scored good points today and everyone's happy. Uh, so why not do that yesterday? Definitely good points today, but can I just wind it back to yesterday? What, what do you, as the boss, say to two racing drivers when they perform like they did in the sprint? Well, you, ha- you have to, uh, and, and it was, um, I mean, I would have said the same, but it was Laurent Rossi who uh, gave him the talking to in, in the briefing yesterday. And, uh, he, you know, he, he just made the, the good points that uh, this is a team and we've got over a thousand people between Viri and Enstone working tirelessly to give them the equipment, the car, uh, the upgrades that they all long for. And then they have to play their part as teammates too, to bring the cars home and score good points, uh, which is which is what he said. And he, he also told them that they're privileged to be racing car drivers. And if they had any other job in the company, and they did something like that, they would be let go for gross misconduct. Um, and 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 it's true. I hear what you say, Omar, but speaking as a racing driver, we have this little bug in our head, which is me, me, me. And we've seen, uh, I'm not going to mention any names, but let's say you had a star driver uh, in your team who delivers massive amounts of points for you, and he wanted a subordinate driver in the team that supported him. We've seen this, haven't we, in our sport, like, you know, with uh, other times, you know, we've seen this other way of going racing where you have the, the lead driver and the and then they turn out to take over the team. Do you think that's the right way to attack championships? No, or? no I, I think uh, if you're trying to maximize the team effort, uh, the drivers have to be part of the team. And even though there is that uh, me, me, me in their head, as, as you say, you, sometimes you've got to put that aside because even you are better off when you don't think me, me, me. Just like today. Say they would have crashed again today. 14 points that the team didn't get, a fifth position that Fernando wouldn't have gotten, and an eighth position that uh, Esteban wouldn't gotten. So 
we've got to look at it from a, an efficiency standpoint and uh, where we can become Pareto efficient, meaning making the team better off without anybody worse off. Now you've got plenty of experience up there, haven't you? Of battling drivers, drivers who collide back at Force India, Sergio and Esteban. How much has that really helped you guys kind of just try and manage this situation as best you can? Well, it's not the first time. So uh, some of the techniques that uh, we employed before that worked, I remember what those were. So you get to them a lot quicker. I've heard people say, oh, this is the starter. You've got the main course coming next year, Otmo. Look, the, the most important thing for next year is we improve the car even more relative to our competition. And if the car can be even more competitive, it will make it uh, even easier with the driver pairing. The good news is we have two fast drivers that are still young and yet experienced. Was it 2022? You've got to win the championship by 2026, I heard. Is that right? Yeah, we'll do it. Okay, we've got plenty of time. We've got plenty of time. Otmar, many thanks. Great result for you guys today. And that fourth position in the Constructors' Championship is looking closer. It's looking better, yeah. We can rest a little bit easier, but, uh, you know, like... Yogi Bear said, it ain't over till it's over. Love it. Otmar, thank you so much. Thank you, Alpine. See you at the next one. Now, Damon, you've got to do a run-in, did you just tell me? Yes, sorry to do this to our listeners, but I'm under pressure to get a bus out of here. We're going to walk down the paddock with you just until we get to the turnstiles. Who was your driver of the day? Just give us your final yeah. thoughts on this weekend. It's, it's, it, well, we had a choice of them, didn't we? I mean, uh, Kevin, amazing. Well, what a drive that was. Uh, it's got to be George. Got to be George. Or George all the way. Showed his class and uh, in fine style. So well done, George. And uh, I'm sure there'll be more. And Lewis will be back. Thanks, Damon. Travel Fire up safe. the private jet. Yeah. No, I wish, I wish. I, I'm not getting a lift back in the company jet. Let's put it this way. I'm going in the company bus right now, back to my hotel. Uh, look, we'll see you in Abu Dhabi, won't we? Adios. Bye. Thanks. Uh, adios. Obrigado, Damon Hill. Everyone is diving for the airport, going to Abu Dhabi. There are two flights leaving tonight. But, Lawrence, it's down to you and me without the champ to just break down the rest of this Grand Prix. OK, I'll give it a go. Let's go. So, Ferrari, third and fourth in this Grand Prix interesting shift I feel in that team at the minute in that I think Carlos Sainz has come on strong in the last few races would you agree? Yeah completely I think if you waited eight nine races into this season you'd ask where Carlos was he was pretty frustrated couldn't understand the car couldn't get to grips with it and things turned a corner and things have really improved and I think from Charles point of view you can see the frustrations growing when things go wrong that kind of mask that we've seen in that air of calm is starting to dissipate and today we heard him on team radio asking if they could swap positions so he can get p2 in the championship he admitted to me in the pen i don't normally ask the team to do that kind of thing but he knows how important it is for him for his position in that team going forward i think it's a really interesting dynamic that's developing there how fast is their car now do you think they were the second fastest car here at interlogos no, I think they were the third fastest car. I think that Red Bull just didn't perform to their to their very best. I think Ferrari have got a lot of looking at themselves to do over this winter because in the one way when Mercedes have gone one way and they've really continually improved, Ferrari have gone the other way and they just don't seem to be adding performance to the car. And, you know, Carlos pulled off a great result here. You know, he hasn't had that many clean weekends and this was a cleaner weekend for him. But um, he expected more, I think, at this come, come this point of the year. The decision to put Charles on inters during qualifying, even his teammate was on slicks. I don't really know what to say, Tom, because when you look at it on the outside, it made no sense at all. All the forecasts, 
didn't link up with their decision to do that. Laurent Mekis was talking about it afterwards and he was saying, well, it made sense to split the decision, but surely, surely, if it's going to do one weather or the other, you go with the one you genuinely think it's going to be. And that was the first moment this weekend where you really saw Charles frustrated, you know, at the situation. And today, I think that was probably just him boiling over again because this has happened far too many times this year. And it's it's starting to, the cracks are starting to show and it's genuinely starting to, to affect Charles, I think, in terms of how he feels about the team. I can't help thinking that Charles needs to be a little more assertive within the team because it seems to me he has more issues strategically and I include tyre choice in that than his teammate. That's always been Carlos's junt though, hasn't it? I think he's always been very forthcoming and saying, I want this, I want that. Maybe he lays it all out in a more methodical way in the briefings before they go into the race. But on the radio, yeah, you're right. Charles has maybe been someone who relies on the team. And actually, in this day and age, in Formula One, generally speaking, that is the right thing to do. They do have all the data. But there's been so many occasions now where it hasn't worked out for Charles that I do think he has to change the way he goes about his racing. Look, it's easy for us to say that. We're not racing drivers. It's going to be harder for him to do that, to change the way he goes about racing. But I completely agree. He's got to start being more assertive. What did you make of the incident with Norris at the beginning of the race? Norris, of course, getting the five-second penalty. I think it was a racing incident, to be honest. I think when you're, when you're Charles and you're hanging it out there on the outside, you've got to expect that there might be a, a lock-in on the inside and, and Lando might come towards you. You've got to take that risk. Equally, Lando had had such a meteoric start, knew he didn't have the car really to compete probably in the long term and wanted to try and keep track position. So, yeah, it was a tough one. I thought it was slightly harsh on Lando, to be honest. Let's talk... Red Bull now and I want to start with that radio call at the end of the race Max if we don't pass Fernando on the exit of 12 can we let Checo through please let Checo back through okay if Max does not pass Fernando he'll let you through on the exit of turn 12 yeah, don't worry about the DRS Max let Checo through let Checo through so Max will let you through Max, let Checo through, please. Max, what happened? I told you already last time, uh, you guys don't ask that again to me. Okay, are we clear about that? I gave my reasons and I stand by it. Yeah. Thank you for that, guys. Thank you. I'm sorry about that, Checo. We'll debrief everything afterwards. Yeah, it shows who he really is. Max Verstappen was asked to let his teammate through to help him in the championship, and he didn't. No, and I asked him about that in the TV pen. Now, for absolute clarity, what normally happens is the driver comes straight to the TV pen and then they go to speak to the engineers. But this time, Max went straight to the Red Bull hospitality and actually didn't come to the TV pen for 10, 15 minutes. So when I asked him about that, he said, oh, we've actually just discussed that message, which I thought in itself was interesting because surely that's something you would have discussed before the race. And he said he had his reasons, didn't expand on what his reasons were for that but did say in Abu Dhabi, 
if he's asked to again, he would move over. But I'm intrigued to know what he means by I had my reasons for essentially deciding not to move over for Checo. Uh, well, and thinking of Checo, I'm immediately reminded of the drive he put in at Abu Dhabi in the title decider last year. He really helped Max in that race. And whatever reasons Max has, they've got to be pretty significant to not actively help him when he the championships are done and dusted in Max's favour anyway. For sure. And like some of the quotes that I've seen Checo's given after this race, he was furious that he said, I think there was a quote that said, I've helped Max win both his championships. So of course, when the moment comes for that to be reversed, Max has already won the world title. We're talking about sixth and seventh. We're not talking about a big result or even giving up a podium. And Max doesn't do that. You can understand why Checo's furious. I'm immediately reminded of Sebastian Vettel and multi-21 at the Malaysian Grand Prix in 2013. And well, for listeners who don't remember what happened there, Vettel was asked to give a position back to his teammate Mark Webber. He didn't. And at the next race in China, he said, I will never apologize for winning. And so I immediately think, is that the mentality of the lead driver in that team? Well, I think the very fact that you've just described him as the lead driver is an interesting thing, because I think Checo always would have thought that he's got a chance there. But I think that's exactly the scenario that they've got at Red Bull. And Look, I guess maybe to be a world champion, you have to take that approach. You have to never give anything away because you don't ever want to give someone a chink in your armor to maybe in the future come back and go, well, you did it then, you should do it now. And Max wants to win that badly. Yeah, and as well, as Damon was saying to Otmar, me, 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 me. That is the mentality. Look, and what about the pace of Red Bull? As I said, right at the start of the show, I came here thinking that the two long straights here would really favor them. And yet it seems Mercedes had the pace, genuine pace to beat them. Well, if you were looking at the performance on Friday in practice, it was three tenths of an advantage that Red Bull had over Mercedes in that final sector alone. And that's the low drag where Red Bull should have had it. So actually at that point, I think it was pretty fair for everyone to think it was a Red Bull weekend again. But as the conditions changed over the course of the weekend, there was some destabilization with the weather in qualifying and that mixed things up as well. And suddenly, for the first time this year, Red Bull just didn't really seem to have an understanding of the tyres. And I think with that in mind, and look, I guess it's got to happen at some point. You can't get it right every weekend. They didn't optimise this weekend and Mercedes did. And I think that was the difference. Mercedes might still not have the outright package, the outright fastest package, and they definitely don't. But I think the very fact that they basically didn't make a mistake this weekend, did they? I don't think. They got everything right strategically. And finally, they were rewarded for it. Yeah, and had Checo been on the soft tyre at the end of the race, I think it would have been slightly different for him. He did struggle being on the medium, but... Even then, though, they still didn't have the pace, did they? I still don't think they could have gone after the Mercedes. And I, I know when we were talking to Christian on the grid before the race today, and he was talking about how Mercedes were looking so quick and they look unbeatable. And this was the kind of language that like, we haven't really heard from them this year. And I thought it was interesting that they clearly had seen in the data that there was a, a deficit between them. Lawrence, let's go further down the top 10 now. Russell Hamilton, Sainz Leclerc, Alonso, Verstappen and Perez are the top seven. Ocon came in eighth with Bottas ninth. Now, that was a roller coaster weekend for Alfa Romeo. Both drivers out in Q1 in qualifying. 
And then at one point in the race, Bottas was as high as sixth. And I was like, oh my goodness, where's this going to go? And he just didn't quite have the pace to continue at the sharp end. But still, points was really important for them. Oh, huge for their battle in the Constructors' Championship. And the interesting thing with Alfa Romeo this year has been that they've really struggled in qualifying. So actually, it wasn't that much of a surprise to see them get knocked out in Q1, I think. But their race car has been really good. They've been bringing a series of upgrades that came in Japan, and they've really started to optimise them. And this team needs the prize money. They need the Constructors' Championship points. And I think it's really important for them to have got a big result this weekend. Because Valtteri, do you remember he started the season really strongly? He got a series of points finishes. And then the middle of the season, that team were really nowhere. They were struggling. They couldn't afford to bring the upgrades because the budget had changed and stuff. And now look at them. They've really finished the season strongly. And I think that, that result for Bottas was a great one. What was it? It was 50-odd points in the first nine races and two or something like that in the second nine races. So you're bang on right. Great to see them back up there. And they're now five points ahead of Aston Martin in the Constructors' Championship, sitting in sixth. One race to go. I'm trying to imagine who's going to have the faster car in uh, Abu Dhabi next weekend. Bottas is a bit of a king around Abu Dhabi. He goes well there. If you're a betting man. Oh, I'm going to put it on Alfa Romeo, actually, because even though Aston Martin, particularly with Sebastian behind the wheel, have been pretty mega these last three or four races, I think fundamentally the outright pace of the Alfa Romeo, I think, should be enough around Abu Dhabi, Yas Marina, that type of circuit to really hold on to P6 and the constructors. But I think the beauty of it is it's not clear cut. These teams are two of the teams that have really come on in the final part of the season. And I think that makes it really exciting. It does indeed. And then Stroll in 10th and Vettel in 11th. Now, Vettel was going really... Vettel has made really good starts this year. Yeah, he has. And at one point, I thought he was in for a good points haul. Yeah, so did I. Like, he was up kind of towards P5, P6 in the field and, and moving forward. And he felt very comfortable with the tyres at that stage of the race. And then they swapped over and he didn't get on with the tyres so well. And so often is the case, actually, this weekend, if you ask teams and drivers, you go from one compound to another and it can feel like a different car. And I think that was the frustration for Sebastian. But I, I really wish Sebastian wasn't retiring, you know, because the performances that he's been putting in this year have been really, really strong. Just been talking about Aston Martin, but we've also made our way down to Haas. And Ayo Komatsu, who's the engineering chief here, um, what a weekend by you. I know it's a frustrating end sure. this today, yeah. but can we just wind it back to Kevin Magnussen's qualifying lap on Friday? How good was his lap and what did it mean to the team? Uh, it just means a lot to the team. Obviously, uh, this is the first pole position for the team and the first pole position for Kevin, and the lap was good. You know, and in terms of uh, operations, I think uh, whole qualifying, if you look at Q1, Q2, Q3, whole sessions, I think uh, we put the right tires at the right timing, right fuel load, right number of laps, so everything operationally we, we did pretty well. So I think uh, we can take lots of confidence from uh, that qualifying session that, you know, given the circumstances, you know, we can do that level of job. So yeah, very happy. And how did it feel when he was leading those opening two laps of the sprint? <laughs> that was great. You know, <laughs> you know, he had a good start, and the Max was on a medium tyre, and the Max was fighting with the car behind. So no, it was a really good that uh, Kevin made a good start and had a bit of gap to behind. It's pretty noisy here. You're definitely the noisier end of the pit lane. But how how do you view this battle now in the constructors' championship with Alpha Tauri? You got a couple of points on them now. Yeah, obviously, you know, it's. 
we tried to score points today, but uh, couldn't. So yeah, only two points going to Abu Dhabi. But of course, we do everything we can to keep that position for sure. Right. Yeah. Best of luck with that. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You. Safe travels to Abu Dhabi. We'll Thank see you, you there. Lawrence, I completely loved Kevin Magnussen on pole position. Oh, it was a true underdog story, wasn't it? And not only that, Kevin came back to Formula One very late on, replacing Nikita Mazepin. You know, at that point, probably a few months earlier, thought his F1 career was over. A few months later, he's getting his first pole position after more than 140 races. It's an extraordinary story, but... A, it proves to Gunter Steiner and Gene Haas that he was, you know, the right guy to bring back and try and help this team forward. But he's still got plenty left in the tank. And there's been some tough races this year, but just talking to him this weekend, the smile is there, there's colour in his face. He's so excited by the prospect. And he knows that if this team keep going in this direction, it could be a really, really fruitful experience for him and that American team going forward. Simone Rester, their technical director, says that this year's car was a compromise because when he should have been focusing on the car, he was having to build up the technical department in Maranello, where they're based. So I think there are high hopes for next year. And we're all wondering who is going to be lining up alongside Kevin Magnussen in that team. I'm hearing tales of announcements on Thursday before Abu Dhabi. Now, if that is the case... Do you know which way the wind is blowing? I think it's going to be Nico Hülkenberg. I think that's the way it's going. I think for a long time it's been between Nico and Mick. I think Gunter's been trying to weigh up what the, the best thing to do is. Keep Mick for another year because he kind of has sort of turned a corner in the second half. Or go back to a tried and tested driver who he knows is capable of scoring big points. You know, Nico stepped in at Aston Martin multiple times now and has got the job done. So I think he's still got fire in his belly. And I think... Ultimately, when Gunter looks at how this year has gone, and it's been a costly one for Mick in many ways, more so not just lack of points, but on the budget <laughs> side of things, yeah. that I think that Gunter will decide that Nico Hülkenberg is the way forward at that team. When we talk about the financial cost with Mick, I, I immediately think of the, the accident damage in Saudi Arabia and again in Monaco, and then there was that slightly odd accident uh, in FP3 in Suzuka. Without those accidents, do you think he might have got a nod for next year, or do you, do you think it was Hulkenberg all the way? Oh, no, I, I don't think it was just those accidents alone. I think that fundamentally it was the lack of performance. I think that they would have hoped that Mick could have pushed Kevin harder and at points and multiple points beaten him. And that hasn't happened. I think when Mick came into the sport, backed by Ferrari, there were real high hopes for him. And I think ultimately, after two years, they just didn't feel like he kicked on enough. And then on top of that, when the budget cap, you know, bud the budget's so important for a little team like Haas to be suffering that much damage, it, it is significant. It means that, you know, you're shorter on parts. It means that it can impact the development. And so I think a combination of factors is really edged Mick out of contention I think but without Sebastian Vettel next year I've got my commercial head on now Lawrence <laughs> right but without Vettel I'm, th I'm thinking of the German TV audience who has more appeal Nico Hülkenberg or Mick Schumacher but I'm not sure you can make that decision based on on the appeal I think you have to do it based on the performance and and you know I was just talking about how important it is for Haas to finish eighth in the Constructors' Championship. Look, they aspire for much higher and they, they must have to think about the driver that's going to give them the most points and the best Constructors' Championship. And OK, Nico's been around for a long time now and might not be the, the, the young face that maybe the German TV audience might need, but he might go and deliver the results. And ultimately, that's 
what Gunter needs. What about Hungary 2017? Suck my balls. <laughs> <laughs> I better put some context on that for the listeners. Um, Magnussen and Hulkenberg had a battle in the race and Hulkenberg in the TV pen came up to Kevin and said, accused him of being unsporting, I think. And Kevin's response was suck my balls. Uh, do you think that's going to be a difficult pairing for Gunter to manage? You know what? I think it's going to be an entertaining pairing for Gunter. To be honest, I think Kevin has changed a great deal since then. He's had a, a, a child. He's a family man now. You can see that his perspective has changed. And I don't think you'll see the kind of tension that you might have done a few years ago if they were paired together. But also, this is Kevin's team in many ways. You know, I think he feels very comfortable here. He's been at his very best when he's been driving at Haas. And I think he'll feel very confident and comfortable that he can beat Nico coming in. A wannabe Brazilian footballer is now in front of us. He had a slightly frustrating race today, coming home in 14th. Can you guess who we're talking about? It is Pierre Gasly. I've got nothing to tell you guys. <laughs> First up, where do you get your Brazilian football shirt from? We don't have pace, but we got good contacts in uh, Brazil. <laughs> hey, look, can you just sum up the weekend for us? Ah, it's, uh, it's tough. Obviously quite frustrating because uh, we're trying really hard to get only like these few points to pass us and I think overall we, did a, we actually did a good weekend. We managed to finish P10 yesterday, we had a good start today, good stint on the soft but uh, yeah, we're looking at the pace overall, we're just not competitive enough to make it to the top 10 and guys ahead of us are, are faster and uh, yeah, we try, we keep trying but uh, it's just not enough. So. Where's your mindset at the minute? Are you actually all focused on 2023? Yeah, now? yeah no, 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 I'm all focused on 2022. Like, I'm not going to lie. I'm not even thinking about next year. And that's why I also take it personally. And that's why I also get you know, so disappointed like that, because uh, I'm really trying my, my best and inside the car every single lap. And it's like sometimes we have hopes, you know, like after the start, I think we're running P8 or, or P9 and kind of hope, OK, it might be an opportunity and then uh, yeah, as the race, the race goes on, then we realize, okay, Alpine, even Alonso starting God knows where from center of uh, Sao Paulo is uh, over Texas after 20 laps, uh, which is obviously like good news for me. I'm happy to see them uh, performing like that. But then, yeah, Valtteri definitely faster than us and, and the Aston as well. So, yeah, we try, but uh, doesn't really pay off. Brilliant. Travel safe to Abu Dhabi. Are you going tonight? Going to Dubai. Travel safe. Thank, Thank you. you. Cheers, Pierre. Alex, you are the friend of the show. Hello, Look, everyone. <laughs> I love being on here, as always. <laughs> Look, Alex, just quickly, sum up the weekend, because the pace of the car was decent, wasn't it? It was decent in certain conditions. Um, we, we do better when the track gets cooler, and, and the races were, were kind of, you know, they were, the track was really hot, so it was frustrating to some extent. You know, we finished last, or second last. Um, we had an engine issue. We are fighting an engine issue. We were fighting... Uh, Deg, we're struggling with this circuit because it's so low speed, all these combined corners, um, it's generally where we're weak, so qualifying was a bit of the anomaly in terms of pace. Because that's what I was referring to when I said the pace of the car was decent. Very good. In qualifying, we definitely outperformed the car, I think, you know, just with the setup and timing the, the runs with the rain coming in and all that kind of thing, we did a great job. Um, and then the race kind of exposed us a little bit, so um, yeah. It, one of the more frustrating weekends of the year. But Alex, really, I feel like you've been out performing and out driving this car all year and like pulling results out of it. And this was another weekend where there was moments where you were doing that again. 
Like I feel good, you know. I, I feel like I'm 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 driving well. Even <laughs> it's one of them things. Even during the race, you know, everyone's in their own race. The strategies are going crazy. You have no idea where you are on track. But you know, I'm feeling good. Like I'm I'm feeling like I'm controlling the tires. I'm I'm doing the right job. And it's one of them things where you realize at the time I was hoping I was fighting Pierre because <laughs> I knew Pierre was to be, was edging around the points. But actually, I was fighting Yuki, and <laughs> so I knew I was actually in, in 16th or 17th. But that's that's how it is, you know. Sometimes, sometimes it goes like that. So we don't want to be here all the time. And of course, you know, for the motivation for everyone, not just for myself, but for the team, we we want to be up at the front end in the midfields, always nipping on the points. That's what excites us. And um, the other side to it is, you know, it's, you can have very good races, good weekends. Like honestly speaking, this weekend. I felt was quite a good weekend, but you're not there. And, and sometimes that, that, that's the biggest difference, I think, with, you know, sometimes being, you know, let's say when I was at Red Bull or, or whatever, you have to understand a good job isn't always reflects what people won't know, pick up a good job, you know, when you're when you are finishing 17th or 18th. So, um, yeah. Hey, <laughs> time to go to Abu Dhabi. Time to go to Abu Dhabi. Just quick, what? Please for your friend George. Super happy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he's busy now. I'm sure. I, I tried messaging him, but no reply. Are you on his flight to Abu Dhabi tonight? I feel like that would be a party flight. If he it is going to be a party flight. Carlos Sainz has already said he's buying the drinks. George said, "Yeah, but the drinks are all free on the plane." He said, "Yeah, that's why they're on me." George is the stingiest man I know. That's what, <laughs> I'm going to leave it as that. He, he is unbelievably stingy. I'm going to find a way for him to pay for drinks. <laughs> That's not for free. So, so yeah. Alex, thank you for stopping by. No worries. As always. Safe travels. Thank you, thank and you. we'll see you in Abu Dhabi. Cheers. It must be a weird thing, Lawrence, how, you know, your friend, they're very good friends, Alex Albon and George Russell. And suddenly, as, as good friends as they are, it's a competitive rivalry as well, isn't it? And as he just said, he finished last in this race. His mates finished first. I just wonder if there's in any way some sort of mixed emotions there. Sort of, you can see your friend's career accelerating to the stars, and Alex is thinking, "Gosh, I hope Williams can come up with a better car next year." It's a just different. It's just different. It is different. I think that Alex is an ambitious guy. I think, he, of course, he wants to be winning races, challenging for podiums on a consistent basis but you know he's had that opportunity at Red Bull he knows how tough it is and how things can't always go right and also he's really good friends with George like they genuinely are proper friends off track they talk all the time George genuinely played a key role in Alex getting that seat at Williams you know George rang the drum said how good Alex was really sung his praises they've got a great relationship but of course you're right he's looking at his mate going he's winning races and I'm not but he's young he's got plenty of time So the top 10 looks like this. George Russell wins to take his first victory in Formula One with Lewis Hamilton second and Carlos Sainz taking his ninth podium of the year in third. Charles Leclerc is fourth with Fernando Alonso coming from 18th to fifth. Max Verstappen is sixth. Sergio Perez is seventh. Esteban Ocon eighth. Valtteri Bottas gets two vital points for Alfa Romeo coming home in ninth. And Lance Stroll rounds out the top 10 in 10th. Well, Lawrence, that was 
the Brazilian Grand Prix. We asked Damon before he left us who his driver of the day was. And of course, you guys at home, the fans voted for Lewis Hamilton. Would you go for Lewis as well? Who's your driver of the day? Oh, I think it's George, because you know what? I think there were a, would have been a billion things going on in his head at that moment. He's been here before and it hasn't worked out. He's been better than Lewis all year overall and he would have wanted to to get that win today and then with Lewis breathing down his neck even and the team telling him it was racing he had to keep it pointing in the right direction he nailed two safety car restarts on a very difficult track to do a safety car restart he was phenomenal today I think he I think it just shows he said it was just the beginning you know, and I think it's more than just the beginning for the Mercedes I think it's just the beginning for George Russell very nicely said and it and it is actually very hard disagree i always try and take a slightly different view and everyone else has mentioned the same person but i think today is all about george russell and he has a connection with this track you remember a few years back he did his first ever fp1 session here in the force india and went very well and he's now won the sprint but it's funny isn't it how after qualifying when he ended up in the gravel and the frustration on his face i remember thinking gosh He's really frustrated. How is this going to look? How's this going to play out over the rest of the weekend? Little did we know that he was going to get his head together and put in a phenomenal two days of driving. So I'm with you, Lawrence. I think it is definitely uh, George Russell. As the main man, Lewis Hamilton, walks past us now, he's on his way to Abu Dhabi. Do you know what? He was saying in the press conference how important it is for Mercedes to be coming on strong at this point in the season he's a real believer in momentum and I think he's absolutely right I think that ending this year strongly giving Mercedes the confidence that they need heading into the winter after one of their most difficult years in recent memory I think it's huge but I think what's really interesting is that Lewis's persona's changed slightly recently that fire is back in him, that sparkle in his eye. He knows that this team is back where it needs to be to give him a championship car next year. And I think that's we're going to see a different level of Lewis next year. And, you know, today he was really magnanimous. I think he did everything right. He was really good about the fact that George won it today. It's going to hurt, you know, that it wasn't him that won today. That Without that contact with Max, who knows what could have happened. And we are now facing the genuine prospect he's going to go through this year without a Grand Prix victory for the first time in his career. That is, whatever he says, that's going to hurt him. But he's seeing the bigger picture. And I think he's seeing that this Mercedes team finishing this strongly is going to be there again next year. And I can't wait for next season well, already. You are the segue king. Because let's end this. Because this, as well as a review of the Brazilian Grand Prix, we're just going to nod to the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Can Lewis Hamilton get that win he so wants in Abu Dhabi next weekend? It's going to be so difficult. I was talking to someone about this the other day and it would have been poetic justice, won't it, if, if he does go and win that race after what happened in Abu Dhabi last year. And if you look on paper and you go and talk to the technical experts, they'll say the circuit doesn't suit them. But it's going to be amazing what confidence does for you. It's going to be difficult. Look, it's going to be really hard. But he's going to go there thinking, look, if this can happen this weekend in Brazil, when everyone thought this was going to be a Red Bull circuit, who knows what can happen in Abu Dhabi? But I genuinely, personally think it's going to be a bit too tricky. Who do you think is going to be strong in Abu Dhabi? Oh, well, I'm excited to see what's going to happen with the Red Bulls, right? Because I think Red Bull are going to be strong there. And I'm interested to see what this dynamic between Max and Checo is. Because those two, there's definitely going to be a little bit, whatever they were saying after the race, there's going to be a bit of needle between them. Yeah, there will be. Now, Lewis was saying that he thinks they haven't really improved the car. And this was backed up by Andrew Shovelin at the start of the show, where he said, no, we haven't brought any new bits to the car 
for the last couple of races. He thinks the others have come back towards Mercedes and Mercedes, as you said, got everything right and others are making mistakes. So is this pressure? Is it now that Mercedes are back, the, the juggernaut that is Mercedes is back? Is, are we now seeing pressure on Red Bull that perhaps we haven't seen all season? Ditto Ferrari. Definitely. And I think it's so great, isn't it? Because I think as dominant and as impressive as this year has been for Red Bull, and don't get me wrong, it's been an incredible season, one of the most dominant of all time. They haven't had pressure put on them. So we've not seen what it's like when they crack, you know, when there's genuine big deal strategic calls to make. But I actually think it's more just Mercedes have made gains. We've seen this year with the 2022 spec cars that you bring an update and it takes you three, four, five, six races to get the very best of it. So what I think we're actually seeing now is after Mercedes have got over the porpoising issues, we're just seeing them doing the rate of development that everyone else was doing earlier in this year. And I think, so that's why we've probably seen a slight difference. But I also do think it's natural. Red Bull have taken their foot off the gas a little bit. The reality is they've won both championships already. Whether they're doing it deliberately or not, it happens naturally. Yeah. All right, so things to look out for in Abu Dhabi next weekend, dear listener. We've got Leclerc and Perez equal on points in that battle for P2. Of course, poor Checo still probably thinking, if only I'd been let through, if Max had let me through, I'd be ahead of Leclerc. But that's definitely something to look out for. And I'm still intrigued by this battle for P4 in the Constructors' Championship, although that seems to be going Alpine's way. As for Mercedes and Ferrari in the battle for P2, they are, what are they, 19 points behind now Mercedes, behind Ferrari. Do you think Ferrari are resting easy at the minute? I think that coming into this weekend, they probably were. Leave it this weekend. No, I don't think they are <laughs> rested easy, to be honest. I didn't think that Mercedes could have made the kind of dent that they did today. And actually, they were very, Ferrari very fortunate. Charles didn't suffer so much damage when he hit the barrier and managed to recover to P4. They're actually very fortunate. I think they'll be a little bit worried. That's still quite a big points deficit to get over. But Mercedes have got the momentum right now. So lots to look forward to next weekend. Lawrence, thank you so much for your time. It's been great to go through the race. The crowd, the atmosphere here, it's just unique, isn't it? Interlagos is something else. It is, and the thing what I love about Interlagos is it just delivers year in, year out. I'd be happy having 24 Interlagos <laughs> races because look, Lewis has made up so many places, hasn't he, over the last couple of years. This track just promotes great racing. The fans are incredible. It's a real, true, historic venue. And everyone's loving being here. So, yeah, I've loved it here. Thanks for having us. Right. Hey, final thought then. We've got six sprint races coming next year. Interlagos has to be one. Oh, for sure. Give me five others. Five other venues for the sprint next year. That I'd like, right? Yes, so we're yeah, just yeah. Throwing this oh, no, out this there. Is, this is Lawrence <laughs> and Tom's where we think the sprint would be best placed in 2023. Interlagos, yes. I thought... Austria was a good place. Austria was great. I think Canada would be great. Oh, great one. Good shout. Um, oh, what else, where else can we Monza? go? What are the criteria we want? We want overtaking, don't we? We want different things happening in the sprint than in the Grand Prix. And I think that a circuit like Canada doesn't allow for overtaking. It didn't quite work, did it, when we had a sprint at Monza? Um, it just didn't quite deliver the kind of racing. We just want, we want a circuit where one hour of practice makes the rest of the weekend challenging. And I think that a circuit like this in Interlagos, that is that that's exactly that. I'm pointing at you because Baku. Oh yes. <laughs> yes. Can you imagine one hour of practice there, yes. drivers still learning the track, thrown into qualifying, 
That long pit straight. I like that. I like that. And also, why not? Let's go for Las Vegas. No, Las Vegas. I mean, it's going to be the biggest event on the calendar anyway. So we may even make it even more spectacular. That'll be awesome. Brilliant. Well, look, Lawrence, thanks again. It's been great to have you on the show. And of course, F1 Nation will be back next Monday with all things Abu Dhabi. So please join us then. But thank you for listening. And for now, F1 Nation is produced by Formula One and Audio Boom Studios.